Well, good morning. One of the things that I've loved about Canadian life is the emphasis and priority given to decks. In the summer, not in the winter, obviously. But did anyone think, oh, an information deck? Now, that would be nice in the summer. Maybe we should move it out into the, one of the outsides or into one of the courtyards, and people could go there, and we could have an information deck in the summer and an information desk in the winter. Just a thought. Hey, welcome home. Welcome to those in the room and to those of you that are joining us online as well. This last Tuesday evening, we started a, an environment for parents who drop their young people off to youth. So this last Tuesday, it was uh, parents and just a few of us joined together uh, for the parents of the junior high. And we just got together, we had coffee, we prayed, we chatted about uh, how awesome being a parent is and how being a parent sucks at times. <laughs> we can be honest at times, can't we? But this, this Wednesday, we're going to join together again for the parents of the senior high youth. And if you're free and want to come and join us, you're quite welcome to. We'll be in the office. I'll meet people here, and we'll take you up to, uh, to one of the offices upstairs. But we're going to do that month in, month out. So one month, we'll do junior high. The next month, we'll do senior high. And if you want to join us and you just want to pray for our youth and pray for our youth leaders and pray for us as parents, we'd love you to join us, especially if maybe you're a grandparent and out of that parenting season, but in still grandparenting as well. So that's this Wednesday evening. And uh, oh my laptop's gone off. So just another thing I want to mention as well is... Two weeks today is what we call our Vision Sunday. Now, I just want to clear up maybe a bit of confusion for some of you. This is, for Vision Sunday, it's, we're not changing our overall vision as a church. This is our year vision, our year focus. But Focus Sunday doesn't flow. I don't know. We may change it. But this is what we give our attention to just for this year. So the first year was as one, as we come back together as a church. How do we stay together within community with all the, the different views and pers uh, perspectives that have changed during COVID? But then last year, it was about health. How can we stay healthy as disciples, as Christians, as organization, and as a community? And uh, this year, we'll, um, we'll unpack what's our focus? What are the tools that we want to put into our life over this year? So we'd love you to join us on the 29th. Uh, that's two weeks today. So if you're ready to come around the word, why don't you stand with me and let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for our church. Thank you for our community. Not just a meeting we attend, but a community that we engage with and are part of. Pray for those people that are new here. God, that some think someone has drawn them into this environment today. I pray that, Lord, that there's, as our corporate attention is turned to you for these moments, God, that those people that don't know you will 
come to know you in some way. Pray for those that are watching online. I pray, God, that as they engage, whether it's in this moment right now or throughout the week, Lord, that you will speak to them as well. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So, up until recently, Dee and I have had a problem with our plugins in our living room. I actually had to go and ask a few people because in England they're called something different. And uh, so I'm like, what do I say that people will know what I'm talking about? Because often I'll say a phrase and you'll be, later on people will say, when you said that word, I have no idea what you mean. So there you go. You're quite welcome to come and ask me what things mean because sometimes English is not just English, is it? But we had a problem with our are double plugins. You know the one that are vertical? You've got one there and then one below it. Just nod to say yes, so I know that you understand what I'm saying, because it helps. You see, the bottom ones didn't work. But we just got on with life. Didn't have a clue why. Just one day, they seemed to stop working. I was, uh, I was with a group of friends, and, and one of them, who I haven't met before, but he mentioned that he was an electrician. I said, I have a question for you. I have no idea why on my double plugins, the bottom one doesn't work. And he said, oh yeah, you'll have a switch on your wall that will turn them on. Why? Why would that be? I don't understand. He said, you've got no lights, ceiling lights in your living room. Is that right? I said, yeah. He said, well, everyone plugs their lamps into those bottom plugins, and then you flick them all on and off. Genius, absolute genius, saved my life, changed my life. I didn't know up until that point, and then suddenly, a revelation. Thank you very much. You see, I got on with life. I didn't know what I didn't know, and just, I thought there was something, I checked the, the fuses downstairs, none were off, I was like, okay, we'll just live with that, because I don't want to get an electrician in to get them sorted out. But sometimes there are just things that we don't always understand, but we just get on with life and deal with it and not worry about it. And then when someone explains them to us, like, oh, yeah, I get that now. I understand. And today, I actually want to talk about something that is a vital part of our Christian discipleship journey. And for some people, both inside the walk of faith and outside of the walk of faith, it's a mystery. Some people do it, and they just get on with it, don't always understand it, but hey, this is what we do here, so we'll just do it. People outside look at it and go, oh, looks nice, don't really understand, it's a bit weird but I'll let them get on with doing that. Imagine an organization, a worldwide organization, so extreme that to, to go on this journey of membership and being part of the community, you have to act out your own death, burial, and resurrection. Now, 
For those of you inside the walk of faith, that's like, oh yeah, that's baptism. I know what that is. Easy. But for someone outside, that's really weird. You mean to say, as you're trying to explain someone, oh, this is what we do at our church. This is this. You mean to say, I have to go through this macabre reenactment process of my death, my burial, and my resurrection. Oh, yeah. Does anyone else not think that that's slightly weird? But I want to explain today maybe, maybe why we've just left it, we've got on with it, we've done it out of obedience, but we don't always understand why it's so important. And often, other religions take our baptism more seriously than we do. It's because in, I've known and I've, I've read of other areas as well, but in, even in my own experience as a pastor, someone can make a decision to follow Jesus from another religion and they're okay with that. Just get on with life. But you see, baptism steps across a line of we are not going to accept that. We are not going to, we're actually going to have to deal with that as a serious matter because they've made this public declaration. I don't want to talk about what is the serious, what are the serious implications of this thing that we call baptism. See, baptism is a good thing to do, but it's more than a good thing to do. It's more than this celebration that we get to be part of, whether it's a large celebration in a church or more of a small family celebration that we do. About 45 years ago, I stepped into a baptism tank in a church building in the southeast of England. A church that was a lot smaller building than this and a baptismal tank that was sunk into the floor. And over my years, I've got to say that my life has not always lived up to the declaration that I made 45 years ago. And I've gone through, I've gone through processes and I've gone through thinking about, did I, did I fail in doing that? Was baptism for me a waste of time? And maybe some of you are asking that question. Did it, did it actually mean anything because I wandered away? Was it just an empty ritual? Or, and this is probably where I settled for a while, was I just a liar and a fraud in my Christian walk. I want to ask, how many of you as adults, or young people and adults, how many of you have been baptized? Cool. Large majority of you. So I don't want you to disengage because you think, oh, I've done it. I want you to be able to understand the importance of it. And for those of you that haven't, the same thing, I want you to understand it doesn't, it doesn't make you a Christian, but I'll sort of give you a bit of a heads up. It's an anchor point for us. It really is. If you've had questions about baptism, you're actually in good company. It's good to ask questions. 
John the Baptist. When Jesus came, there's an account in what we call the Gospels. And Jesus came to John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. It's a clue what he does in the title. <laughs> and said, I want you to baptize me. And John said, are you sure that I should be baptizing you? You see, John himself had questions about whether he should baptize Jesus. So it's not wrong to have questions about that or about other aspects of our faith. I think what's wrong is if we ignore them. If we push them to one side, both for ourselves and for other people as well. Ask the questions. And I want us to look at baptism for the first time, if, maybe if we've not been baptized and you, maybe you've seen it or seen pictures of it and thought, well, that's it's nice, but it's a bit weird. Or I want to remind us, if you do know what that is, this is, I want to remind us of the importance of this thing that we do as followers of Jesus. So why, oh why, is having a swim with your clothes on so important to our life with Jesus Christ? Well, let's go to what Jesus did. Jesus was baptized at the beginning of what we call his ministry years. He was around about 30 years old. When he came to John the Baptist, his, I think it's his second cousin, I'm not quite sure how all of that relatives things works, but came to him and said, I need you to baptize me. But then at the end of his journey, he actually said, now what you saw me do three or so years ago, I want you to go and do the same to other people. Matthew 3, 13 to 17, it's at the beginning of Jesus's journey. It says this, then Jesus came from Galilee to, to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. See, right at that moment, right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, not at the beginning of his life, but at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, God affirmed his identity. His father said, this is my son. This is not just... It's, and it's not just a relational thing. He said, this is my son whom I love. Now, if you're a younger person, you might think, well, that's okay, but that's what a parent's supposed to do. They're supposed to tell us that they love us. But Jesus also says, and with him, I am well pleased. So, firstly, he says, this is my son. I affirm his relational identity. And then I affirm my feelings towards him and my actions towards him because we know love is not just a feeling, it's an action as well. But then God says to him, and with him, I actually like him. I like the man that he's become. And I'm pleased with the way that he's dealing with life. But Jesus gives a clear command, and he does that at the end of his ministry. 
And so if baptism is important to Jesus, so important that he does it himself, because he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to be baptized, but he chooses to be. So if it's important to Jesus and he tells us to do it, it needs to be important to us as well. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So God affirms who Jesus is, and then Jesus says, this thing that I did, this anchor point, I want you to go and do the same for other people. Not just go and do the same, but teach them everything. Disciple them. Make them like you. Make them like the me in you. So, why be baptized? One reason, simple obedience. It is a command. Baptize people. If we have made Jesus our Lord, then we will obey him. If we've just made him our Savior, we need to step into saying, I am not just saved, but I'm part of a new kingdom. And being part of a kingdom involves a king, and being under a king means obedience. If he's our Lord, then we are called to obey. See, Jesus said to the disciples, I only do what my Father commands me to do. So God must have commanded Jesus to be baptized. Because it was such a public thing that Jesus was going to be baptized, that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in a public sphere, and then God affirms who Jesus is in that moment. So Jesus was obedient to his father, and therefore we, as followers of Jesus, need to be obedient to who he is. So one of the reasons is simple obedience. Who's it for? It's for every believer. It's for every believer who understands this is the faith walk I am taking. This is the decision that I'm making. So, it's for those who are old enough to understand. It's not infant baptism. and We don't promote that, but we don't disparage it. We believe it's a separate thing. We don't promote it, but we definitely will not divide us from those that do it. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, if... You've been baptized as a child. We believe that this is a different set, a different thing. Babies are not able to make that choice. But you can now make a choice to be baptized, to be obedient. Excuse me. So why obedience? Who? For every believer. How? To be totally immersed. One of, the, one of the pictures that's given about baptism is a sheep dip. I presume being an ad agricultural area that everyone understands what a sheep dip is. Yeah, it's a... No. 
it's like this long pool and they herd sheep into this place and they, I think it's to get disease out of sheep and stuff like that. So they send them into this tank of disinfectant. Now, we don't put disinfectant in ours, just to be clear. It's not to make you clean in that way. And they go through. Another picture that is thought of is like dill pickles. Everyone knows what dill pickles are. Are you with me on this? Just help me out. You put them in vinegar, I presume, and you leave them in there. Now, again, we're not going to leave you in there, and it's not vinegar that we put in there, but it's a total immersion that we do. So what is it? It's a public demonstration or a picture, a picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. This is how Paul, one of the major writers of what we know as the New Testament, described baptism, like Romans 6, 3 to 7. Well, don't you all know, all of us, don't you all know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And so not only do we enact our own death, burial, and resurrection, in doing in being part of baptism, we're saying, I associate with the picture of what Jesus did as well. So I'm, I, I'm clinging to him. I'm part of him as Jesus was died, buried, and resurrected. I'm doing the same thing with my body. And therefore, what was old doesn't cling to me anymore. It's not just a church tradition or a ritual. When we're baptized, we're saying, look at what Jesus did. Look at this picture that, yes, it was in history, but we reenact it to keep it alive now. So it's a public demonstration, but it's also a public declaration, a testimony. Someone that gives testimony adds value and credibility to something that's going on. You go into court and you give a testimony to say this person is innocent or this person is guilty. So we are making a public declaration with our testimony, our story of our death of our old life and our resurrection into new life. Not only act out our death, burial, and resurrection, but as I said, we associate ourselves with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, saying, He's my example, and I'm going to follow him in his example. So it's a public demonstration, it's a public declaration, but it also is a place of new identity. And our new identity in this public declaration and public demonstration is with and in Christ. God affirmed Jesus' identity at his baptism. He was already God's son. At Jesus' baptism, he didn't suddenly become God's son. He was already God's son. And God is saying, this is my son. 
I want to affirm his identity. And when we are baptized, we're not becoming children of God. We already are, but we're making a declaration of our new identity with and in Christ. But our new identity is also with the body of Christ, with the community. We're saying, this is my community. These are my people. I've found my gang. I've found the people that I want to do life with. So we associate with Jesus, but we also associate with each other, with the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this, For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. So baptism affirms our family identity. This is my Lord. These are my brothers and sisters. We're given a new name. Now, the name Christian was, it was a nickname. In fact, it was a bit of a disparaging nickname that were given to the early believers in a place called Antioch. But it stuck. Now, today, Christian can mean almost anything. But it doesn't mean almost anything. It means followers or little Christs, little Jesuses. So we are given a new community name. We are legally adopted into the family. One of the, the greatest privileges I had as a, as a children and family social worker was doing adoptions. And you'd, you'd assess a family, you'd assess a child, and you'd bring them together, and you'd give them a trial period, and you'd work all the issues through, and then you'd take them to court and the family judge would stamp legally adopted on the case file. It's a bit like that. This, is, this baptism is a stamp to say legally adopted into the family. And so with this new identity, we're also living under a new regime. We are saying, I've laid down into the water, symbolically into the water, I've laid down my old life. And I've come under new kingdom rules. The kingdom is here in this place, and it resides and lives in my life. But just for a moment, I want to talk about the story behind the story. There's always a backstory to everything, isn't there? But there's a, a story that Paul the Apostle, the, the, Apostle, the, <laughs> the Apostle writes or alludes to in his book to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 2. And he says this, and he's talking about baptism. He says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. So he's saying, look back in history. Look back to that point of time when the children of Israel, our ancestors, passed through the sea. Now, I want, no, I want you to notice that he says sea, not river, because they went through two area bodies of water. One was the Red Sea at the beginning of the journey. One was the Jordan River, or the River Jordan at the end of the journey. Are you with me on this? It's really important. He says, they all passed through the sea, not the river. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. So they crossed the Red Sea. 
They left Egypt behind at that point. They were already pretty much left slavery, but at that point they left Egypt behind. But it's really interesting that Paul uses the picture of the Red Sea at the beginning of the journey, not the River Jordan at the end of the journey. Why? Because they left slavery. The problem was it took 40 years for slavery to leave them. They wandered around, and this, this, this is what helped me so much. This is, this is the thing that when I looked at my baptism, and maybe for some of you that have grown up in church and were baptized early, I pray that this one thing will help you. You may think, well, what was the point? Do I need to get baptized again because it didn't mean so much? I've forgotten what it meant, and I'd gone away and messed up. See, no, no. Paul says, this picture of baptism that I want to, you to remember is right at the beginning of the journey. After they came out of Egypt, they'd left slavery. They had to cross the Red Sea to leave their old life behind. But then God took them round and round and round. It took 40 days to get from Egypt to the Promised Land the first time, and they weren't ready for it. So God kept moving them round and round. At the beginning of the journey when they were still messing up, when they still didn't look like free people. That's the picture that I want us to remember. And I think so often, I know I missed it. I know I didn't understand. I know once I'd seen this picture, my baptism made sense to me. See, at the beginning of the journey, they still had the mindsets and the behaviors of slavery to the Egyptians but they were not owned by them. They had a new life, a new kingdom, a new ruler. They weren't owned by the Egyptians, but they still thought they were. And it seems as you read through particularly the book of Exodus in the Old Testament, it's an incredible journey. And if, if you feel, oh, I'm a bit too messed up to be this Christian thing that you keep talking about, read Exodus. It'll help. Because there's a lot of messed up stuff that goes on there. See, their behaviors and mindsets, didn't, they didn't resemble what God wanted them to be. There was no real family resemblance. Despite God's anger, punishment, and judgment at that time on the children of Israel, he still called them his people, his children. Just like me when I was baptized all those years ago. God gave me a new identity, but I still had the behaviors of my old identity. Did I mess up and sin? Yeah, a lot. Was I a fraud? No, I wasn't. Because I still had an anchor point. Even at times in my life, it was a, felt like a thin thread, not a thick rope. I think for me... That was a huge relief because God shows us a picture of, picture of baptism that portrays failures, doubts, and a journey from a place of baptism, not to a place of baptism. Can I ask you a question for those of you that haven't been baptized? Are you waiting to be a better Christian before you get baptized? You don't need to. What you need is an anchor point to say, 
This affirms my identity in the family. Nothing's going to take that away. Baptism is not a symbol to show that we've arrived. It's an anchor point to show those. It's an anchor point to show whose we are and who we are. A tether that shows God's demonstration of his love for us. My baptism wasn't fake because I messed up and wandered away from it. My baptism was real because it was near the beginning of the journey. The crossing out of slavery. See, God wants us to have a Red Sea baptism, not a Jordan, a River Jordan baptism. Now, for those of you that are on the journey, and and maybe for some of you, you've been waiting for that right moment. The right moment is as soon as possible. If you understand what baptism is, if you made a decision, don't wait. Don't keep going to a journey to baptism. Make it a journey from baptism. And you might have been on the road 20 years and think, oh, if I'd only done it then, it's okay. The right time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Baptism is obedience. Saying, I will follow Jesus. I will do what he did. I will do what he said to do. When the enemy, who often gets into our head, or even people remind you of your past. Oh, thought you were a Christian. Christians don't do that stuff, do they? People remind you of your past or associate present behavior with past identity. You can remind them of your present identity. I have a new name, a new family, and a new identity. My identity doesn't come from my behavior. It comes from my death, burial, and resurrection with Jesus Christ. See, for me, I was baptized not as an empty ritual or fraud, but as a physical outward representation of what Christ did in me, continued to do in me, and will continue to do in me. I want to say, be really, really clear on this. This is not a guilt trip for anyone. If you haven't been baptized, it's okay. But I would really like you to prayerfully consider being baptized if you were a follower of Jesus. But it is a call for us to respond to the love and direction of Jesus Christ. If we have become followers of Christ, then discipleship is about obeying his commands. John 15. It doesn't get much clearer than this. John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. Baptism was one of Jesus' first acts before his ministry really got going. And one of the last things he commanded us to do. And maybe if you haven't been baptized today, maybe you're asking the wrong question. The wrong question is not, why should I? Maybe start asking and ask other people the same question. What's stopping me being baptized? What is it that I think I have to achieve to be baptized? What what level of Christianity do I have to get to before I think, oh yeah, I'm okay? What's stopping me? It's a place to go from, not to. 
Maybe those of us that have been baptized, but right at this moment, our actions and behavior is not showing a new life. I want you to know so clearly that you are part of a new family. You have a new identity. You are not slave to the old life anymore. You see, in a few years, I will become a Canadian citizen. We're going through the, the permanent residency process at the moment, and, but in a few years, we will become Canadian citizens. We will visit England. But just because I visit England doesn't mean to say that it's my identity anymore. I'll have to learn all these phrases like plugins, sidewalk, not pavement. What's the other thing that I confused the guy at the oil change place? What did I say? Bonnet. He thought I was talking about a little hat. What do we call it here? Sorry? Hood. Hood. That's it. She's like, bonnet. You want me to open the bonnet? What the heck is that? Anyway, completely lost the train of thought there. See, I, just because I visit England doesn't make me a resident there anymore. Just because, thank goodness, I visit the US doesn't make me a citizen there anymore. See, I'll be Canadian. I'll, be, I'll have gone through that process. I'll have stood and made my declaration. And for some of you, you think because you visit the place of sin, that that then continues you to be in that place of death. It doesn't. You are forgiven from that. You're moving from that. You may visit it at times, but you are not. That is not your identity anymore. Baptism is that tether point for you. Begin to believe that you are still part of the family and not slave to the old life anymore. Christ was buried, was di Christ died, was buried, and has been resurrected to defeat sin in your life. We are living in the life after death already. And let me re reiterate this again before we pray. God shows us a picture of baptism that portrays failures, doubts, sin, and a mess on a journey from baptism, not a journey to a place of baptism. So let me ask you the question. If you haven't been baptized, will you be baptized? Hopefully in a couple of weeks if we've got baptisms. On Vision Sunday, we will have the privilege of baptizing you. The time is right. Let's pray. Jesus. Father, I pray you take these words of mine. I pray that they will be an encouragement, not a guilt trip. I pray for those that maybe have struggled with this part of the journey. Lord, I pray that it will be some clarity around what it is we do, what the importance it is for us as followers of Jesus. I pray for those looking on, the, whether it's in this service or online, that are looking 
from the outside. God, I pray that it will help those understand this is important to this group of people. I pray for those that have been baptized, that have maybe struggled with that. Did it mean anything? Was it significant because I've messed up since then? God, I pray that right now, the words that you will be speaking into their life are, this is my child, whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. In the name of Jesus, amen.